This is The Guardian. I'm Gabrielle Jackson, coming to you from Gadigal Land. And this is The Full Story, Newsroom Edition, where Guardian Australia's editors discuss the news of the week. Today's young Australians will be the first generation to have lower living standards than their parents. With a housing system designed to generate wealth for older investors rather than provide safe and affordable housing, a student debt avalanche spiralling out of control and a welfare system pushing down wages, it's clear young Australians are struggling. But is the government offering solutions that adequately address this problem? Today, I'm talking to Editor-in-Chief Lenore Taylor and Deputy Live News Editor Joe Tovey about the generational divide in the cost of living crisis. It's Friday the 5th of May. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning, Lenore. Morning, Gabs. Good morning, Joe. Morning, Gabs. So we've talked about the cost of living crisis a lot in this podcast and it's only getting worse, but not everyone's feeling it the same way, are they, Lenore? No, no, they're not. I mean, look, I think the cost of living crisis is being felt by everyone. I mean, I think everyone has an oh my gosh moment when you get to the end of the supermarket shop and look at what the bill is. But if you own your own home, which you're more likely to do if you're older. If you're not hit by interest rate rises, the rental crisis isn't hitting you or forcing you into homelessness. And at that age, you probably also don't have a HEX or HELP debt and you probably have or have had secure work and regular superannuation payments, then it is going to be hurting you less by definition. And I personally kind of think it's sad for society to sort of view the economic debate or frame it through sort of demographic differences, you know, like boomers and Gen Xs versus millennials and Gen Ys, because, you know, the boomers and Gen Xs are the parents of the millennials and Gen Ys, and even if they're not being hit as hard, can certainly see and worry about what's happening and perpetuating intergenerational inequity often help out with what is happening. But, you know, I can absolutely understand why millennials and Gen Ys would feel like they're getting screwed by the system because they kind of are. Mm. So there were a couple of stories this week, Joe, that kind of really highlighted how this is happening, how young people are kind of doing it tough. I think the divide is most visible looking at the housing crisis. What did we find out this week? Yeah, absolutely. So this week we got new figures on rent increases across capital cities, which showed that average rents have risen 11% over 12 months. If you actually drill down, though, into the two biggest population centres, Sydney and Melbourne, the rises are even higher than that. They're about 19%, I think, in Sydney and 15% in Melbourne, which is shocking, really, when you consider wage stagnation and the very high cost of rent already in those cities, particularly in Sydney. And these are people who are trying to often save for a house and trying to get into a housing market that is increasingly difficult to get into where the size of deposits are just mammoth. So I think you can't underestimate how much stress those rent rises are causing younger people at the moment. 
Mm. And Lenore, we know that buying a house is increasingly difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So Greg Jericho had a really interesting column this week where he sort of graphed out average mortgage to average earnings as a ratio. So back when I bought my first home in 1990, that was 3.1. Now it's 8.4. So, and I didn't find it easy, but I could do it. I've only ever had one house at a time. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people my age have used a real estate investment as a wealth accumulation tool through by using the incredibly generous capital gains tax breaks and um, negative gearing breaks. And, you know, I think if you're a young person, I think there was a survey that showed about three quarters of young Australians think they're never going to be able to buy a house. That would be galling, Mm -hmm. you know, really galling and, and hard to take. And, I don't think policy, even if we accept that home ownership is going to be harder, then other policies haven't followed suit. Rental policy, affordable housing policy, even the kinds of houses that we built or the kinds of apartments that we built. So if younger people are then thinking, okay, well, I can afford an apartment, they might need an apartment with more bedrooms if that's going to be a family home. Like everything is sort of still geared for how things were back for the boomer generation and it's all changed. One story that really shocked me this week, Lenore, was how inflation is driving massive increases to people's hex and help debt, which MPs like Zoe Daniels and Maureen Faruqi have called a student debt avalanche. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think free education ended pretty much as I was leaving universities students now finish with a hefty debt and the the system has changed over the years. So those debts have been getting bigger, various governments kind of mess around with it to make certain types of degrees more expensive. But the debts are indexed and this year they're going to go up by 7.1% in Mm. June. And then that debt is taken into account when you apply for a loan. So it just adds to the burden, like the weight on a generation. And not just sort of between boomers and millennials. Like I, when I went to uni, fees had gone up a lot, say, compared to my own parents. I was paying about, I think about five grand a year for an arts degree. So you graduate with a debt of about $20,000. Under the changes that the Morrison government brought in during COVID, which didn't get enough attention at the time, I think there was a real shift in university policy during that period that flew under the radar naturally because of everything else that was going on. But students doing humanities degrees now can be paying 15 grand a year. That is what some of us paid for our total degrees Mm. only a generation ago. And now they're facing this higher indexation, 7% a year, which I think is about a 30-year high. Usually indexation is sort of 1-2%. We were all told HEX is a good debt, don't worry about it pay it off while you're still young and you can save for a housing deposit. That's not true anymore. If you graduate with a $100,000 debt, it's going up by 4 7% per year. That will be dragging into your 30s and restraining your ability to save and compounding the issues that we're seeing elsewhere in the economy, around the housing market, around insecure work. It's a really diabolical situation and it's not getting better. And it's not just, as you pointed out, Lenore, a generational thing, is it? It's it's about wealth divides too, Joe. Yeah, so I guess just on that, I mean, even though I think the generational lens is really useful to look at this and there are obvious generational inequities um, that have built up over time, at the same time, there are millennials who are doing fine and often as a result of being the children of mm-hmm. parents of boomers who were beneficiaries of the property market, like I see it all around me, the property boom. We see these stories all the time in the Sydney Morning Herald 
thought about, you know, the parents who stepped in and bought a property for their young cash-strapped millennial child to live in. And that that is the reality for a lot of people. And at the same time, you know, people of my generation, I'm the token Gen Y person on this <laughs> podcast today, gripe a lot about boomers, but there are a lot of older people who did not benefit from the mm. property boom who are finding themselves in really dire straits despite really low unemployment. They may really struggle to be getting into jobs, shut out of the housing market, record low investment in public housing. So I think even though looking at things through this kind of generational lens is useful, we shouldn't forget that. It's not universal. It's mm. not universal, absolutely. Another dire situation we're in is that the homelessness services even said this week they were having to turn people away. We've also run in the last couple of weeks, Joe, some stories on food banks being overwhelmed. Mm. Like this to me seems like something that only happens in America. What's going on? Mm. Well, I guess this is just the flow through of what happens if you can't afford rent, if you can't afford a house. Of course, we're seeing this. Of course, if food inflation is above 7% Mm. annually, people will turn to food banks. I think there has been really American-style inequality growing in Australia, which I know we have reported on it at The Guardian and other places have too, but I still think there is a sort of a low level of public awareness about how bad it's got at the margins. You know, in areas of regional Australia we've reported on, you see people kind of permanently living in kind of tent cities. That's the sort of stuff we look at America and think, mm. how could you let this happen? You know, we like to look at a but lot of aspects. Now. Of, we've got tent cities, yeah. we've got people living in cars. Yeah. yeah. uni debts, people living in cars and tent cities, working poor who cannot afford to rent. This is the kind of reality and the question is what are we going to do about it? It seemed to rub salt into the wound this week when it was flagged that the Labor Party may increase JobSeeker but only for those between 55 and 60. What happened there, Jo? Yeah, so this story landed um, earlier this week and Jim Chalmers didn't flat out confirm it as treasurers tend not to do in the weeks leading up to a budget, but he didn't deny it either, which is a pretty good indication that it's either right or heading in the right direction. Maybe there's more details still to come that we don't know. We'll find out next Tuesday. I think this just added to the sense of grievance that a lot of younger people have that their needs are being overlooked. I mean, nobody would begrudge older people on JobSeeker getting this increase. There's no question that the sort of emerging homelessness crisis among older women in particular is something that, you know, all decent people feel really concerned about. You know, I would welcome that increase for that cohort. But it does just add to this sense, I think, of young people thinking who is going to stand up for our interests too. If you are a young person, particularly in regional or outer suburban Australia where unemployment rates are higher, where finding a job is really difficult at the moment, where you may be struggling for rentals and all that sort of thing, being left out again feels like a real slap in the face. So what are the solutions on the table, Eleanor? Are there any? So there are some things that the government is trying to do already. They've got the Housing Australia Future Fund, which is sort of stalled in the Senate It's always billed as a $10 billion fund, but actually that's the amount of money that's sort of socked away and then it's the earnings from that fund that's meant to spend up to $500 million a year building social and affordable housing, minimum of $1,200 in each state. There's sort of argy-bargy back and forth on this. A lot of the sector, the welfare sector and the building groups and everything are really pushing the Greens to pass it. The Greens are holding out because they want other commitments like a rental freeze and a commitment to spend directly on housing itself, not just from the earnings of the fund, but like straight away to make a dent in the crisis. I can see that they have a point, but it feels like the longer this goes on, the longer it's taking to actually get 
going and this is all going to play out in the budget session of Parliament. I mean, there's also other stuff being talked about, like renters' rights. I think Queensland's already passed reforms to limit landlords' increasing rents to just once a year, and that was discussed by housing ministers as well. And predictably, there's already these warnings coming out that the mum and dad investors are going to have to sell their rental properties if they can't put the rents up. Now, that might be, in some cases, true, but they're selling those houses to someone And, I mean, it seems to me like the signals in the housing market are clearly all wrong. You know, we've got some of the most expensive housing in the world for a reason because we've got the policy signals wrong and I think we have to start changing those policy signals. There's been lots of commentary, Lenore, I think we've even talked about it on this show, about young people not getting more conservative as they get older. What is going to be the effect of all these policies if young people keep feeling like they're left out? Well, I mean, it's hard to predict, but I guess you're less likely to get conservative as you get older if you don't have wealth and a comfortable place in society to conserve, which is probably what what drives that trend that people have seen for many years. I guess how volatile it gets will depend on the political solutions that are put forward. You know, I think the Greens see a political opportunity for sure as being the party that's really sort of pushing for more generous policy on all of these fronts for younger people. And I think that is something that Labor has to be mindful of for sure. But on the other hand, you know, the Greens can push for lots of things and aren't ultimately responsible for the overall state of the budget. You know, the government has choices in there, which, you know, I wouldn't agree with all of them, but they do have ultimate responsibility. And, you know, the Greens aren't always entirely consistent in terms of, you know, sometimes opposing urban development or more dense housing, which is part of the solutions. But I do think, you know, the Greens clearly see a political opportunity. I think there is clearly a political danger for Labor. You know, of course, we don't know yet entirely what the full package is going to be in the budget. And, you know, there's always this expectations dance before a budget and there is almost certainly going to be more things that we don't know about yet. I would suspect there's probably going to be some things that go more across the board. We know there's going to be change for single parents. We know there's probably going to be some movement on rental allowances and maybe that will be broader and be something that helps the other generations. I wouldn't be surprised, and it's just a hunch, that there might not be some sort of one-off payment because there's such a crisis point right now. But, you know, we'll see next week. But I think on the broad, Labor is in a difficult position and I think really needs to think about how they manage it because there is this real sense of resentment growing. Mm. And I think it's such an interesting political moment we're in now where you have Labor governments wall-to-wall across the country that, you know, the only Liberal government left is in Tasmania. So at a state and federal level, wall-to-wall Labor governments, if ever there was a chance for progressive policies of redistributing wealth, of reforming tax systems, of changing policy settings, basically in favour of working class, younger people, this is the moment. Are they going to seize that? Well, the federal Labor government, we still don't know what's in the in the budget. At a state level, 
you know, we just saw a New South Wales government elected on quite a decent swing. They didn't really take that much policy to the election that would inspire hope among younger people. Like the rental kind of reforms and housing reforms they proposed are really modest stuff. It's, you know, ruling out rent bidding and things, but, you know, not looking at kind of caps or longer term leases, or we don't see a really ambitious, truly ambitious plan on public housing. I think, you know, there's still a while to run with a lot of these governments. They're fairly new, but there is a moment there to be seized and will they do it is what a lot of people will be asking. Next, succession. And there are some pretty big spoilers in here. So if you have not watched the latest episode, do not listen any further. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here. At Guardian Australia, we want to make sure you're getting the news that matters in 2023. Our morning mail and afternoon update newsletters are short and capture the most important headlines of the day. If that sounds good, you can subscribe for free right now by visiting the Guardian homepage, searching Guardian Australia newsletters, or just downloading our app and you'll get daily notifications. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now we come to what we can't get out of our head. And once again, it's succession. I think as the head of multimedia, I just have to draw attention to the Misty Snippy Snip scene. So what we want him to say, we want him to say double the earnings instead of a significant boost. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I can do that. Because I think a lot of video and audio producers have been having nightmares ever since when Cousin Greg tried to make a video producer make Logan Roy say words he never said. And a lot of people, including our producer sitting here, Miles Herbert, have been quite disturbed by that scene. (laughs) Make it happen, okay? Understand, Mr. Snippy Snip? We'll never call you Mr. Snippy Snip. Mr. Snippy Snip. (laughs) Make it happen. Lenore, what was your favourite moment from this week? Uh, It wasn't so much a moment as a concept when um, Kendall was describing their new product, Living Plus. What our incredible new product offers is a sanctuary. It's a place where it doesn't feel you or your mom or dad are surviving life which was the bringing the cruise ship experience to dry land. So it was like a senior citizen's real estate development, great gated community kind of situation that was built as a safe, secure community enriched with the integrated interactions with the cherished family of Waystar's movie and TV characters. And it just seemed like this dystopian, ludicrous, ridiculous invention until, again, Miles showed us a piece in um, New York magazine and Disney basically already done it. It's called <laughs> Story Living by Disney. I'm proud to announce our next Disney experience. Story Living by Disney. All this is the real one. Vibrant new neighbourhoods that are infused with the company's special brand of magic. To write the next exciting chapter in their lives. And some neighbourhoods will be planned for residents ages 55 and over. 
Story Living by Disney allows us to leverage what we do. And the website says, the Disney touch is at the heart of it all. These communities are envisaged as enriching enclaves, conceived Mm -hmm. with the simple notion of bringing people together. And the people who are doing it call themselves Disney Imagineers. Anyway, basically the real thing was more horrifying and, in my opinion, worse than Kendall's version. Yeah, they wound it back for succession. <laughs> Amazing. Joe. what was your favourite moment? I think this week the, the standout scene for me was the fight between Roman and Jerry, who have for a long time been a lot of people's favourite pairing on that show, like such a twisted interesting, sometimes sexy, but mostly just really off-putting kind of bizarre relationship, uh, which sort of came to a new head this week when she was reprimanding Roman, who'd done something completely stupid. He said, I need you to believe that I am as good as my dad. Can you do that? And she just looked at him and sort of said, say it or believe it. Which really showed that despite him running around like this kind of new emperor, that how much more powerful than him she is, who's really in control. And he, of course, reacted in the most sort of petulant way possible. But it was a, yeah, a really beautiful scene. Yeah, I think Jerry often has the best lines. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, Lenore, something very special is happening at Guardian Australia this month. Funny, you should mention that, <laughs> At the end of the month, it is our 10th birthday. It seems inconceivable that it's been 10 years. Um, other times it seems like 100 years. Anyway, it's been 10 years. We're celebrating thriving in Australia for 10 years with a whole series of editorial pieces, including looking back at some of the most impactful journalism we've done over the past 10 years. A bit later in the month, there'll be a podcast talking all about how we got started. There's a wonderful birthday video on site with all kinds of fabulous people wishing us happy birthday, which is just spectacularly good. And at the end of the month, we'll be having an event at the Seymour Centre, Uh, which, you know, Guardian uh, readers and listeners are welcome to attend, uh, where we'll be also talking about 10 years of journalism. So it's an exciting month for us. And we'll put the links to the video and where you can get your tickets if you'd like to come to that show on the Full Story page. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lenore. Thanks, Gab. Thanks, Joe. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Daniel Simo. The executive producer was me, Gabrielle Jackson. Have a wonderful weekend. Full Story will be back on Monday and we'll see you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.